Welcome back to episode number 115 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. Everyone's voice listening, I want to hear from you. Email me, jeff at the npdude.com. I want to hear what's bugging you. You know what's coming next. So if it's bugging you, it's bugging me. It's got to be bugging everybody else, right? All right. Um, 2050 this morning on Facebook Likes. We broke 2,000. Congratulations, guys. Thanks for your help. You guys are what's making this happen. I mean, I, I was on Facebook a little bit more over the last day or two, and uh, we jumped up 70 likes in like a day and a half. That's amazing to me. That's 70 new people that are just out there that have the opportunity to understand that this podcast exists. And by doing so, they're going to maybe catch something that uh, might save their bacon somewhere along the line. And if not, um, they might uh, at least learn something or have a little entertainment along the way. Or they know somebody that's going through an issue and um, they don't have to go through it alone. They can they can listen to the podcast, get a little bit of, and, and not advice, but some uh, education and by getting that education, it might be able to save them. And that's that's the goal of this podcast, is that we learn together, that we uh, we grow together, and we have a better profession in total. That's really what I want. I really do. Chronic Attractable t-shirts went out. Uh, those of you that purchased, and uh, a couple other people that are getting some, uh, they're, they're on their way. So they should be there by the end of this week. Today is a Tuesday. I don't know when I'll get the post. Usually I do the post, my, my podcast, and I get swamped, and I can't post till the weekend. But I'll try to get this one out. But uh, hopefully by uh, before Christmas, you guys will have your T-shirts. If you want a chronic intractable T-shirt, I've got a couple more orders, people wanting them. Right now, I'm, I've got a list. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep the list. And uh, once I get enough, you know, a dozen or two, then I'll uh, call and place an order for the sizes that you guys requested. I got you guys on the list. Once I call and make the order, what I'll do is I'll send you guys the link for payment. So that way you guys, you know, know that it's coming. I don't want you guys to feel compelled to, uh, you know, buy the shirt. Now, this is horrible marketing type way of doing it. This is the more honest way of doing it. I'm going to let you guys back out. I don't want you to because once I order the shirt, I'm stuck with it, right? But if you want the shirt, I'll uh, place the order and then I'll have you guys pay just so that way you guys know that the order's placed. It's something that's happening. You're not paying and waiting a month for something. They're like, oh, I forgot all about that. Jeff's a dick. That's not what I want to do. So if you want a shirt, I'm going to put you on a list. Once I make the order, I'll send you the link. That's it. That's it. How do you guys want to show, support the show? The, the t-shirt, by the way, it doesn't really support the show other than you just get, a, I think, a cool shirt and uh, maybe you can wear it to class or something. I don't know. And somebody says, what the heck's the MP dude? And maybe it starts a conversation. I don't know. I, I think that's pretty remote, but I think it's kind of cool. Um, but it doesn't really add any funding. I'm basically doing this at cost. By the time you add in me, you know, spending the time doing everything, I'm, I'm kind of losing money on it. But it's kind of fun, so I'm cool with it. It's 25 bucks a t-shirt, unless it's over an XL, it's, a, it's uh, 27 The other ways you can support the show, you guys are already doing it. You're liking and sharing the show like crazy. I think there were like 18 or 19 shares of uh, my last podcast on my website. Now, it's different. It's kind of weird because when you share it straight through my website, it does not show up in my Facebook feed that it was shared. So it's kind of weird, it, it, but it does. I can see that you guys are doing it through my website, and um, and I'm cool with it because it's working. Because I had a huge number of people that that uh, had viewed and uh, downloaded that last show. Records, records all the way around. Record number of downloads on my website. Record number of um, of people on my Facebook page hitting it. So uh, thanks, guys. You guys are doing a great job. It's awesome. 
I was fired up too, and I apologize. That last show, I was kind of a jerk, and I didn't mean to be. I really didn't. I was just so fired up, and it was so so t- close in time since the, the discussion that I had with that guy. That um, man, I just I, I wanted to get it, and I feel better, man. Very cathartic. <laughs> Thanks for being my therapist, guys. So, anyways, um, the other way you can support the show is to use the Amazon affiliate link. Super easy. You go to my website, thenpdude.com. Those iTunes listeners out there that don't go on the internets that much. Go to my website. You'll scroll down or over. It depends on if you're on the main page or on the uh, the mobile app or the mobile page. And you'll click on the Amazon banner. You go straight to Amazon. You do the shopping you otherwise would have. It doesn't cost you a single penny more than what you would have anyways. It doesn't do anything. It just kicks me a couple percentage of the purchase price that you do. And uh, Chris Woods, man, thanks, man. I saw your purchase. Holy shnikes, dude. Wife's getting something cool for Christmas. I like it. That's cool. I already got my wife one of those, by the way, just so you know. So, um, cool gift. I'm not going to say what it is because who knows? Maybe she's on, you know, sitting next to him in the car and he's listening. I'm not going to blow it, dude. Merry Christmas. Um, but use the Amazon affiliate link. It does kick me a couple percent. And what am I using that money for? Web hosting. I got my bill. I got to pay it. And uh, it's right along with Christmas time. So that that's an extra added expense. I need help with this, guys. And uh, you guys are doing a great job. But I'm, I'm not there yet. I really am. I'm not going to lie. I'm not made hold yet. So keep using the Amazon affiliate link. That's a great way to do it. If you think the show is worth a buck or five or 10 or 30, you can also use the donate page. I got a couple people, big dollar donators in there. And so um, big dollar to me is, you know, 10 bucks. I and mean, that's a big dollar. <laughs> I got a couple of those and a couple more bigger than that. But, um, you know, ten dollar donation, a one-time donation, just to say, hey, Jeff, you know, I've gotten more than ten dollars worth of value out of what you've told me, either in, in in entertainment, which I don't know if I'm that entertaining, but some people say I am, or um, through the content itself, that it's just good information to know, and you weren't taught that in school, and you know, you would have paid a tuition for it. You think it's worth a couple bucks? Please use that donate button. You do have to have a PayPal account set up, and uh, it just basically uses your PayPal. That's it. Today's topic, it's been coming for a while. <laughs> it's been coming for a while. And I've been kind of on the verge of talking about this for a while. But it came up on the Facebook thread and I'm like, uh, and I was, you know, you know when you're tired and you make a statement on Facebook and you know it's going to just be trolling and you don't mean to, but it, it's just going to cause problems. Well, I did that. It was a bad call. I shouldn't have said anything. What am I talking about? Mid-level provider topic comes up on a Facebook page, but it was in respect to PAs, and it was extrapolated to NPs in the hospital system. So this person works in a hospital system and got a letter or email or something, and I didn't even read what it said, but it said the you know mid-level providers and blah 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 blah, and so the the connotation of the mid-level thing again, and so I've been not really wanting to discuss it. I'm going to tell you why, but it's been on the edge. I knew I was going to eventually have to say something about mid-level because in reality, I don't give a shit about mid-level. You can call me kind of what you want sometimes. And it depends, right? So it's like everything in life. If it's done in a connotation of, yeah, you suck, I'm pissed, right? If it comes from some administration that doesn't have any frigging clue what we do, or how we fit in the pieces in the puzzle, you have no way to affect the change in that email or that letter. So don't get upset by it. See what I mean? That's why it's like I don't really care. But if you're calling me mid-level and you're poking me in the chest saying you are just a little mid-level, I'm, I'm going to be pissed, right? I mean, I think everybody would be because that's not really real. 
the problem with mid-level provider, and then I'll get into what I said. <laughs> I kind of opened up a little firestorm. I didn't mean to. I was just tired. I get loosey-goosey with my typing when I'm tired. Anyways, what, what's the problem with mid-level? Because some people are mid-level. And that doesn't, that's not popular. People hate that, that word. Now, I don't use that. I say advanced practice provider, or I'll say, you know, practitioner. And even somebody, were getting, they were getting fired up about calling practice. Well, I'm not practicing. I'm doing. I'm not practicing. I'm not a practitioner. You are a practitioner. It's in your freaking name. And that's, that's going overboard. That's a little bit too social justice warrior for me. It's just, it's in our name. You're, you're an advanced practice nurse. Yeah, deal with it. You're a practitioner. Nurse practitioner, don't don't think too much about it. People don't people don't don't look at it that way from the outside looking in. And from the outside looking in, the more we whine about what we're called and how we're acting, sometimes can be seen as very whiny and just over the top. So from the outside looking in, I want to say tone it back a little bit, guys. We don't need to be worried about it too much. Educate the people that can affect the change. The people you can't change their mind, like that, that dickhead physician that I was talking to. If I tried to argue about not being called mid-level to that guy, he ain't going to hear it. He's not going to care. He, we're not even mid-level in his eyes. He's, he's God and we're not even close. So you're not going to change that mindset in a lot of people. Now, an administrative person, if you have the opportunity at a cocktail mixer or if you're in the right setting and you say, hey, look, you know, I just I notice you keep using that word and I don't think that you understand that that's not really what we are. And then maybe you can affect the change. Educate these people. Say, look, your, your, your organization may be seen as more valuable if you get rid of this mid-level crap. Because you're selling to your patients and your clients that you have eh, substandard people out there doing the work. How about we have advanced practice providers? That's a much more you know marketable title to the public. That would make sense to me as a hospital system to use a better name. But that that wouldn't be to you know appease the nurse practitioner. I think it's just mutually beneficial that we all say you know what we're better than that title. Let's use a, a better word. So that's an option. The problem I have with with mid-level for me is that I'm not mid-level. And, and, and I'm not trying to be mean to people that work in specialties, but in specialties you kind of are. In a lot of cases, you know, if you got your own caseload and you see your own patients and you, you know, the, the physician's never even around and you kind of run your own clinic and you're doing derm or you're doing endo or you're doing something and you're, you're kind of flying solo, I get it. You're, you're an advanced practice provider. You're not really mid-level. You're doing everything that the endocrinologist would do or the dermatologist would do, maybe without, with a couple exceptions. But for most of us that are relatively new to the profession of, of being a nurse practitioner, if you are working in a hospital system and you report to physicians just out of the course of the way the structured organization is, you're kind of mid-level. It just depends, right? It depends on the circumstance. And so that's why I don't get too fired up about it because it depends on the situation. So I said, I don't have a problem with this, this, this email because it was talking specifically about PAs. PAs are mid-level. And I got someone firing right back saying, dude, I have a daughter that's not a, that's a PA and she'll run circles around you NPs. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. First off, you don't know. And so you're being, you're making an emotional argument. That's not a, that's not a intelligent argument right there. 
So maybe she's great, maybe she's not. I have no idea, and I don't care. But the problem is with a PA, if you go and understand what a PA is and how a PA becomes a PA, they are inherently mid-level. So I'm not trying to be derogatory saying they're not good. I'm saying they're not, by license and by education and by structure, it's in their friggin' name for crying out loud. They're a physician assistant, which is inherently mid-level. And that's where this comes into play is that they're not being used mid-level. They're being used more like a nurse practitioner in a lot of cases. And I'm okay with it. If they're functionally doing what's legally permitted and they're doing well and kicking ass, our PAs, brothers and sisters that are out there that are doing the same job as us, rock on, guys. This isn't a derogatory thing to bring down a PA. And certainly not to say that we're better than them. We're different than them, but only slightly. I would. It's like Republicans and Democrats. If you were to sit them down and talk about the main things in their lives that affect them, they would agree on more more things than they would disagree on. So what are the main things about PA and NPA? And I think I think that the, the mid-level discussion, other than the fact that that I really don't care. If somebody calls me that, I'm going to try to correct them in a polite way. But if they really want to call me that, I don't, geez, whatever. I don't use that term. I use the other term. I think we can lead by example. NPs out there calling themselves mid-level, I think we need to change that modicum. we got to change it. You're never going to get full practice authority if you keep calling yourself a mid-level. And you may not personally want that, but there's a lot of us that do. And it doesn't mean that you have to go work, you know, for your own practice. But why would you want to stifle the, the, the profession? I just, that's what frustrates me is when I see NPs using that word, then I'm like, come on, guys, you guys don't use it. Somebody else uses it. You try to educate them and move on. Don't waste any energy. They either like what you do or they don't. Then you move on. You try to educate and move on. But the PA thing, here's the big deal between the differences that I see. Now, I went through, I almost was on this, this girl's podcast. She, she emailed me and asked me. I sent her back an email, but it was a little delayed because it was over a weekend. And I think she got somebody else because there was a podcast that she did where she interviewed an NP. She's a PA. It's called the PA Platform. It's a decent podcast. She's got a, bro- a blog, too, and a whole bunch of stuff. But she's selling services on how to um, get into PA school because they have a more rigorous process, in my opinion. They're a lot more selective, which I think that NPs should do. That's a difference right there. I think it's harder to get into PA school than it is to get into NP school. And I think that we should be significantly more stringent on our criteria for admittance. It, it just only adds to credibility. And if, if you're letting anybody that, that you know can pay their tuition in, then it detracts from those of us that are really trying to do well. So I think that's that's one thing they're doing right that we're not. But this girl does this podcast, and I, I went when I first like she emailed me. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go check out her website. And so I listened to a couple of her podcasts. She's really good. She's got a great podcast. I think it's great. It's not really pertinent and to to practice, but it's about how you know PAs making the decision to go to PA school versus become a doctor. What's the difference between a PA and an NP? And so it's a lot of like educating the pre PA student type of thing. But she had some good information on there, and uh, the, the interview, interview she did with the NP was pretty good. There's a couple things I would have you know, clarified differently. I'm going to do that now. So the main difference that I see, and I encourage you guys, go listen to it. So those of you that say, oh, Jeff doesn't know what he's talking about, about PAs, you're right, I don't. But I'm listening to this girl, and she kind of does. So I'm using her credibility, and um, she's a dermatology PA, and she's, you know, she, she works in specialists. 
one of the things that she said specifically, and she goes, this isn't going to be popular with a lot of my PA buddies. It was one of her blogs. I don't remember which one. She said, we're mid-levels. She admits it. She's like, if, if you don't like being supervised by a physician, that idea, then don't become a PA because that's what you have to do. The main difference in functionality, there's not a huge amount of difference. They have prescriptive authority. They can do assessments. They do all the same stuff NPs do. But the main difference is in the schooling that I see. And I and in, in that thread that I kind of started, this individual said, oh, they have way more clinical hours, and they get specialists, and this and that. And I'm like, oh, bullshit. They do two years of school. We do two years of school as an MSN. Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. Clinical hours, my ass. Because I saw their clinical hours. I was actually at a clinical rotation, and a PA student was there. And I was talking to him when I was in NP school. And here's the difference. They rotate for, they do 30-day rotations. They rotate between all the specialists so that they can get a little tiny flavor of what they do. So you can't tell me in four or five weeks that you can become really, really thoroughly understanding of that profession in four or five weeks when you know, it took three or four years of residency and med school for a physician to do it. I, I find that dis- disingenuous. I think it gives you a good foundation to understand that maybe you want to work in that practice. Maybe you want to, you know, do a little bit more focus on that when you're in school. Any of your, you know, your reports or anything that you write up might be more about endocrinology if that's what you really like. Or if you want to do derm, you can focus on, you know, do some self-education and maybe do some CME type stuff on that and, and get educated. Now, do I think that you need to go to med school to be able to do that? No, I don't. But I do believe that their focus is so much more generalized that you can't tell me that, that that's it's not as good or it's better. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's the NP programs that we do are so much more focused. You know, I was family practice, so I didn't do acute care. I didn't go into an endocrinologist office. I did what I needed to know in in family practice. And then I boot them out the door. If I see something that funky that needs to go to endo or derm or whatever. The main thing I see too, is that our licenses are slightly set up differently. A PA's license is 100% tied to their physician. They can't do anything without it. My license is not necessarily tied to my physician, quote unquote. And in a lot of states, they use supervise or, or uh, collaborative. In a couple states, they use the word supervising for NPs. But in all the states, as an N- as a PA, they say supervising. So it is inherently by law supervision which inherently means that you are not at the same level as your collaborative slash supervising physician does that make sense i'm trying to clarify guys i'm not trying to be mean i think pas are fantastic and i think they do as good a job in a lot of cases as nps probably as good as physicians in a lot of cases so it's not that I'm, I'm bad-mouthing PAs. I really am not. But it's just an, it's a different animal. It really is. And so when somebody says, oh, this letter is wrong, I'm like, I kind of don't disagree with that letter. They're kind of they're kind of mid-level by law, by statute, by supervising physician. That doesn't mean that you can't get autonomy if you if you learn to, um, to do your job well. God damn it, this guy's going 15 miles an hour in a 65. Come on, dude. This truck going up a hill. You're killing me. He did this to me last time. Remember I, I did that show where he jackknifed? Same guy. I guarantee it. He's going to do a 12-point turn. <laughs> Come on, man. I got to get to work. Ugh. All right. 
So inherently, they're supervised. That's it. That's the main thing. Oh, he's not even jackknifing. He's just going up a hill. Oh, my God. I gotta pass this guy. This is gonna take forever. I'm already late. This guy's going 15. Wow. You hear me revving my engine? Trying to get my... <laughs> Come on, double yellow. Go away. Alright. So, anyways. Um, I hope that puts that to bed. Because I don't want to talk about mid-level stuff. Mid-levels? Come on. Every nurse practitioner out there should be getting rid of that word in their in their dictionary. But if somebody else says it, you don't get fired up about it. I had a, a, a physician, just a quick story, why you don't want to be worried about this in, in public. Great physician. Great at his job. Great with NPs. Great with staff. Great with everything. Physi uh, physician was interviewing a nurse practitioner to work in his office, and he told me this story. He goes, "What's your thoughts on the mid-level word?" I'm like, "Well, it depends. You know, if you if you're being derogatory, I, I don't care if you call me, uh, you know, spaghetti or something. I don't care if it's how you say it, not the word itself that I get worried about." And um, the 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 guy said, "Well, I had an interview, and I was in a, sitting in an interview with with this nurse practitioner and HR and a whole bunch of other people. And they asked, you know, they said, oh, well, our mid-levels do this.'" And the, the, the nurse practitioner got all fired up about it during the interview. Well, I don't appreciate being called mid-level. Okay, well, <laughs> don't be a jerk. He's just using a word. He wasn't trying to be derogatory. Now, if he's trying to be derogatory like the guy I was talking to at this last week, then yeah, I'd fire back a little bit. But you're not going to educate this person. You're not going to educate these people during an interview. It's not the appropriate place. So back it down. Suck it up. I would at least wait until I got hired, <laughs> until they have something invested in me. Say, yeah, I really don't like using that word. How about we find a better word? It just sells me better to your patients. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Now this guy's going 60, right? And he, yeah, passing. Oh, you suck, dude. He's going to screw me again, too. I know it. So next tail is going to be going 10 again. All right. But that was that was a good story, and I think that that, that proves a good point, that even the best intention... Uh, physicians out there will have a tendency to um, to use that word because they just don't know what else to call us. Not necessarily that um, that it's being derogatory. So keep that in mind. Keep it checked. And if you, you hear somebody saying it, and then you, you can affect the change by all means, go after them. Let them know. And tell them you know what we are and who we do, what we do, and all that stuff. Not who we do. That's different. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, what else? I had another one. I know I'm going long on this, but there was another one I wanted to... I had, like, two or three other ones I want to talk about. Um, oh, I got an email from a guy. I'm not going to use his name, but he said side hustles, and um, I thought this was a good point. He said that once you're an NP, it opens up a lot of doors because you can... Um, you know, especially of um, entrepreneurial mindset, and if you if you have the available time, off time, you know, evenings or whatever, side hustle wise, he says that he does some things that are pretty cool, and I'm like, I don't know if I you know would want to do that personally, but I, somebody out there might be really good at this. You can get trained in doing ultrasound guided um, um, line placement. So you can go to like nursing homes and put in pick lines and do that kind of stuff. And so you can, you know, find the need in your community. And I'm just sitting here, my brain is spinning like, holy crap, what a great idea. And I'm thinking, okay, well, there's a lot of, of uh, rehab facilities that only have LPNs and they occasionally get somebody that has a pick line that needs, you know, Vanco or something. And in Ohio, LPNs are not allowed to uh, hang IV antibiotics. So you need an RN to do it. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, that might be a good opportunity right there is to market yourself to a crap ton of, of um, 
nursing homes where you just go in and as a you know on call as needed basis you know yeah i got a i got an iv antibiotic i need hung at you know six o'clock tonight you know and i have an hour time for him to do it if you get the time set different you know to, you know seven and seven or eight and eight or whatever it is to fit your schedule you might make a little extra coin just go in hang an iv sit there for half an hour make sure they do okay take their vitals and walk out Documenting their system as a as a contractor, and you get paid, you know, fifty or hundred bucks. I don't know. It might be it might be a nice little side hustle. I don't know the need though. That'd be cool as hell to know, right? That just it gets my mind thinking about different things. You know, wound care, um, diabetes education would be another one that you could do. So I just I see a ton of opportunities for us. All of healthcare that anything an RN would can do, we can still do. It's just that now we have that clout as a nurse practitioner to be able to walk in and say, yeah, I'm a nurse practitioner, but I'm also an RN. And so you kind of get the best of both worlds and I'll give you a price and, you know, that way you don't have to turn these people away and, and you can keep them in your facility. And now I, you know, I'll just come in and as need basis, you got to be available and you can't flake out. That's the hard part, right? So if you got to, if this is a side hustle, it's got to fit in your side, in your side pocket, not your main pocket. You got to, you know, you can't interfere with your main, your main gig. That's the, that's the big hiccup there. But if you've got flexibility and you might be able to make some extra coin, that might be a great way of doing it. I thought that was a cool, cool email. So thanks, thanks for the email, man. That was great. Uh, this guy was experienced NP too, saying, "Hey, you're doing a great job." And I'm like, "Oh crap, man! I love it when when I hear from new NPs are great because I hear all the the problems that they don't understand. That's awesome. But when I get somebody that says, Jeff, it's sad how little." NPs coming out of school know, and you're filling a void, and you're helping those people learn, and uh, this guy thanked me, so it was awesome, and you got your t-shirts on order, man, it'll, it'll be coming soon, um, what else, there was another one, I'm trying to think, more CPT code questions, I saw some of that on the Facebook page, go back and listen to my podcast, I kind of talk about that, the RVU thing, so um, that might be worth talking about. RVUs. I see people talking about RVUs all the time, and in reality, the RVU is kind of a, a dying thing in outpatient because it doesn't really matter. It's easier just to go by visit CPT code and reimbursement rate, and then get a percentage of that. That's that's how I would work it. Because ultimately, when I see people say, "Well, I get, you know, 0.29 RVUs, and that's you know, a, or 0.21, or you know, 0.5 of the RVU comes to me after so many RVUs and." So that, that's fine. That's a, a great model to do that because you might be able to get that. It just makes it more complex for you to figure it out when it comes time to get paid. And so it's more accounting that everybody has to do. And if you aren't good with your accounting or you're not paying attention, you could get underpaid. I doubt you'll ever get overpaid. That doesn't happen very often. But you may get underpaid. And whether it's on accident or whether they're trying to be deceptive, that's up to you and your organization. Um... But to be honest with you, I think the RVU way of calculating things is just more complex. It doesn't need to be that way. Now, if you're in a hospital and you work, you know, you're doing procedures and RVU, that's a different animal. It just is. So RVUs may be a good way to use do that because in a hospital you got a lot more procedures. But in outpatient, there in an outpatient facility, you got 99213s, 99214s, and you know maybe 99203s and occasional G codes for you know Medicare and that kind of stuff. But for the most part. Yay, he turned left. Thank God. Um, 
but for the most part, now patient CPT codes is an easier model, in my opinion, to negotiate. And you can do it by patient numbers is, is a nice, easy way to do it. Because if you know you can average your CPT codes from a 1.3 to a 1.4 and you're somewhere in between, then you know that you're going to bring in, you know, about 50, 60 bucks per visit. If it's an average, then you can kind of figure out how much more money you want to bring in based on your base salary and all that good stuff. So you got to run the numbers. You got to do some math. If you hate math, it's tough. This is your pay paycheck. So start doing the math and you should be tracking it too. I kind of keep, keep a, keep a log of, um, of the visits that I see, not by patient, but by, you know, like this week I saw X number and for the majority of them, they were this. So I can average on, you know, on typical week, how much money I'm bringing into the practice. And and that gives me good guidance for the next negotiation term of, you know what, more, more weeks than not, I brought in X dollars and I'm getting paid Y and we need to bring the, bring me up a little bit because I'm making you a crap ton of money. Or not. I mean, it could go the other way, too, and say, you know what, I'm not going to renegotiate because maybe I'm barely making a breaking even. It's not worth rocking the boat. I just want to stay stable for a little bit until things pick up, and then I'll, then I'll rock the boat. I want to hear from you guys. I don't know what you guys, whatever's bugging you. I want to know. But um, keep me posted, though. I want to hear from you guys. Email jeff at thenpdude.com. The other thing I want to make sure you guys understand is that... Um, I appreciate you guys. I really do. And so when I talk about, you know, how we're doing as a podcast and how, how we're doing as a, as a group and, and a community, it's because I, I really do care about what we're doing. And I really, really want us to, to congeal together and come together and, and rise up. And I know that's hokey. It seems hokey. But, you know, and, and I hear this in, in uh, economic terms all the time when you hear someone say, a rising tide rises all boats. But we need to force the tide to rise. And the people that don't really give a crap and are just showing up and they like getting paid and they don't care what you get called. And, you know, I saw that thread too where they were throwing money all over the place. I don't care. Who gives a rat's ass what you call me? Get paid. I'm getting paid. Call me whatever. Okay, maybe. But if you're getting paid a lot of money, this shows that they respect you and they just don't, don't care what the name is. So, and I'm okay with that too. I don't know, whatever. But if we rise rise up as a profession and we stop using certain words, supervisor is one big one that bugs me. Even in states that say supervisor, you don't have to use it. You can change it. There's nothing that says you can't call it something different. You know, in the contract, you may have to call it that, but you don't have to call them supervisor. Same thing with... Uh, with mid-levels or physician extenders that was another one that, that one's like uh i heard somebody say that one time when i was it was a long time ago before i took my jobs now and uh he was a subspecialist and he, he's like i know you don't like being called a mid-level so what do you want to be called a physician extender and i'm like let's cut the deal first then we'll worry about what you call me <laughs> that was that was what i said to him but he, he was trying, you know, platitudes of you know i don't want to step on your toes because i understand that you guys get fired up you know so it's like it's condescending in, in and of itself the way it was done. I'm like, hey, I don't care, dude. Let's just, let's just worry about cutting the deal. That'll show me what you really think of me. I don't care what you call me right now. Let's worry about the deal, and then we'll worry about what you call me. Anyways, keep sharing the show, guys. Keep spreading the word. Keep uh, I got a bunch more uh, ratings on uh, on uh, Facebook. No more on iTunes, though. I'm still at like 33 or 36 or something. I don't know. I want a lot of ratings. 
I'll take them. I don't care if it's a, it's a three or four. I don't care if a two, whatever it is. Just tell me why. If it's a negative rating, I'm going to just hear what, uh, what it is. And a, and a four to me is still a good rating. It's awesome. I'll take a four. I'm happy with a four. I'll take a three. That's average at best. That means you're willing to, to give me some good feedback. I'll take a three. I don't care. Um, but on Facebook, everybody seems to like the show. I only have one uh, four, I think. I don't know. I don't think I'm that good. I really don't. I really, really don't. I think I'm average. So uh, keep giving ratings. It's a great way to do it. Use the Amazon affiliate link. You can you can do that too. Use the donate button. I don't care. If you want a chronic contractable t-shirt, email me. I need your name, your address, and your size. That's what I need. Your real name so it gets to you. You give me some fake, fake place. It's not going to get to you. Somebody will get a nice chronic contractable t-shirt that um, they have no idea what it means. So um, keep, keep up with doing what you guys are doing. Be smart. Have fun what you do. Teach your patients. Educate them, right? That's what we do. And uh, we'll talk soon, guys.